Welcome in to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Yes, it is playoff edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I am your host, Farzine Vasugan. As always, appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. It is a playoff edition, like I said. Second year in a row, we get to do a playoff edition. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the fourth season that we get to do a playoff edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. So the fourth time we've gotten to do that. We haven't had many of these. I remember... Uh, when I first started this podcast, I was really hoping to do a playoff edition podcast. I had to wait for a, a couple of years; felt like a, felt like forever. But eventually, the Chiefs made it into the playoffs, cracked that division win in 2010. I remember how fun it was just to even preview that game, even though that the result, the final score, wasn't what we wanted. But um, it, it's just so fun. I mean, the thing about sports, and I realized this as a baseball fan, as a Royals fan. The sport is just always a lot more fun when you have uh, your, your team in it, when they're close to, 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 to the title right there. Uh, let's be honest, if the Chiefs weren't in the playoffs, uh, how many of us would still be watching? I, I don't doubt that some of you, including myself, would still be watching the playoffs, but definitely uh, so, some of you guys would not even care to, to watch the playoffs, and that's okay. You know, so, Some fans just want to see their teams, and that's all. Uh, maybe they'll watch the Super Bowl a couple Highlights here and there, but that's it. Uh, but listen, even those who are Chiefs fans and would still watch the playoffs, even if the Chiefs were to be eliminated or maybe not even make it this weekend, uh, you're, you're just not watching with that strong rooting interest. You don't you don't care so much about the final score. Whereas now, even when you're watching the other games, you have an interest. You, you know, hey, maybe we play this team in the AFC title game or or that NFC team in the, in the Super Bowl. It really feels nice and. Given that the Chiefs had that bye week, you just yeah, I was just really invested in the postseason last week. And even though it was boring as hell, uh, it, it just felt fun. It really felt nice to watch those games and think about the potential matchup opportunities that the Chiefs would get against some of these teams down the road uh, and hopefully into the Super Bowl. So that is the only thing I promised last podcast. That is the only thing we are doing here on this podcast, we are going to break down the Chiefs and the Steelers' divisional round, Kansas City's first postseason game at Arrowhead Stadium in six seasons. Have not won a postseason game at Arrowhead since 1994. That was the same year the Chiefs had their first playoff win before snapping that long drought. So hopefully the Chiefs can snap another drought and give those fans that are going to be going to Arrowhead a big win. There are going to be a lot of Steelers fans. Uh, they, they travel uh, very well also, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Interaction is a huge part of this podcast, the Chiefs on Podcast, and I'll give you the Facebook link right now, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search my name on Facebook, Farzine Vesugian, and give the Facebook page a like. Uh, I, I mentioned this last podcast. Uh, I, I've talked about this for a couple of podcasts now. I am going to do a Facebook Live during halftime, and I'll do another Facebook Live after the the game uh, is over. Uh, as soon as the final whistle is blown, we're going to do a Facebook Live, two Facebook Lives. So if you guys can be part of that, that would be great. Obviously, for these Facebook Lives to go well, you need that interaction. So I want you guys to be a part of it. So please be sure you guys are on Facebook. Again, the, the link Facebook.com slash Sportscaster Farzine or search my name Farzine Vesugian on Facebook. I'm going to go live right at halftime and talk to you guys for a couple minutes, however long it's going to take. Answer some of your questions, just interact with you guys. And then after the game, I'll spend a few more minutes talking to you guys on Facebook and 
again, answer questions, uh, just just chat about the game, and uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we'll do it in the future. I've, I've wanted to do this for a while. I've seen a lot of a lot of uh, pages. They do their Facebook lives uh, with their athlete or, or, or a politician or, or a news reporter who's answering questions, uh, people in the media, and it's a lot of fun. People have a lot of fun doing it. And I want to give it a try. So we're going to do it on our Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine. So interact with me on there during the game. And we'll also do our Facebook Lives at halftime and after the game for a few minutes. You guys can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'll be giving more commentary on Twitter than I do on Facebook normally. So twitter.com slash farzine21. Again, that's twitter.com slash farzine21. And as always, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, welcome in. But be sure you guys do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by clicking the subscribe button on iTunes. And you will get a new episode to your iTunes library or on your phone anytime a new edition of the Chiefs on Podcast is released. Okay, we're going to get to the game. Chiefs and Steelers. One quick thing I do want to say. I posted something on the Facebook page that got people worked up for no reason. Uh, And again, I I promise it's going to be a Chiefs and Steelers podcast. That's all we're going to talk about. So I'm going to save this subject for next podcast. Because I I still think it's going to be relevant no matter when we discuss this. Uh, But it has to do with Tyreek Hill. And there was an article from Sports Illustrated. And and look, I know headlines. uh, People love to use the word clickbait. But let me tell you something. If you were a writer... You would want a a headline that would make make people wanna wanna click. I agree there are some misleading headlines, but by all means, this one was not misleading. It was a question, and the question on that headline is: Should Chiefs fans vote for Ty- Tyreek Hill? And people got worked up on the Facebook page. Listen, guys, anything I post on there is not meant to offend anybody. Maybe I say something that a lot of you guys might disagree with, or maybe you guys. Uh, agree with me, whatever whatever the case is, the article, by all means, was not bashing Chiefs fans. It actually was defending Chiefs fans. I had so many people, I had to actually respond to almost every single person on the page, which I normally never do, and say, look, that's not what the article said. The uh, writer, Jonathan Jones, even wrote a, uh, or not, he didn't write, he, he did a video version of his article, so you could either read the whole thing or watch his video or both, and he's defending Chiefs fans in this. He's saying it's okay to root for them. And again, I, I want to touch more on the subject later because I also think that Chiefs fans are being a little hypocritical with this subject. And again, we'll save it for another time. But please, anytime I post something, if I post an article, take the time to read it. I feel like people don't read articles much. They just read headlines on on websites or on Twitter, and, and that's all they know when it comes to not just sports, but news in general. So, again, keep in mind, for any of you who did see that post, it was not meant to get under anyone's skin. A lot, like I, a lot of people got worked up over nothing, and, <laughs> you know, my, my, my goal is to never do that, especially when people are liking my page. Uh, why would I want to piss off a bunch of people who are who are liking my page? I appreciate people who like the page. Uh, so keep that in mind. This is a topic, and again, Chiefs fans are really, they don't like to hear this, but I'm going to say this now to conclude this subject. This topic of, with Tyree Kill is not going to go away for really for his entire career. Because look at Michael Vick. And I know his career is pretty much over, but... 
when he was with Pittsburgh last year, that still followed him, his past. Alright, let's move on. It's time to talk Chiefs and Steelers. It is going to be Kansas City's first postseason game at Arrowhead in six seasons, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. And I've said this before, this this Chiefs team, the way they, they have played, sure, you would love to win your games 49 nothing. Uh, you know, those one-sided blowouts. Uh, you know, destroying the Patriots the way the Chiefs did a couple years ago on Monday Night Football, that was insane. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, so you, you the, the fan and you just get so pumped up, but at the same time, I'm all for, you know, being on the edge of your seat, biting your fingernails, uh, pacing around the room, wondering what the hell is going to happen. Are you going to come out with a win at the end of the day? And this Chiefs football team had a lot of narrow wins, and this was the same way in 2003. And like I said, I have not been this confident in a Super Bowl possibility since 2003. And this, this team, in terms of how they get their wins and losses, very similar to that 03 team. That 03 team had to overcome some tough games. Denver in Week 4, on the road, Green Bay in overtime in Week 5. And that crazy final three plays, that sequence right there, how dramatic that was. And this Chiefs team has had some dramatic finishes. The way they won against the Chargers. The way they came back against the Panthers. I mean, we've talked about this before. We've seen this. And this is this is a Chiefs team that has found... They, they have found a way to make us fall in love with them. I mean, they really have. And it's been so much fun watching the way that this team has played throughout the season that, you know, that one week off, I, f- I feel like we kind of needed it. You know, our heart cannot take too much of this. So uh, that one week off much needed, but uh, also builds a lot of anticipation for a big game at Arrowhead Stadium. And to start things off, joining me is Max Shepman. And look, we're going to roll out the red carpet for Max because, first of all, he's a great friend of the, of the podcast and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a former host of the Steel Pit podcast, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast that he had for a long time. A lot of listeners on that podcast, but he's moved on to bigger things. Uh, he's with ESPN 106.3 West Palm uh, and also with WPTV and WFLX in the South Florida area. So if you're in the South Florida area and you want more sports news in that area, got to give Max a follow on Twitter. He's MadMax1063. On Twitter, again, the former host of the Seal Pit Podcast. And not only that, he has been on the Chiefs on Podcast in 2015, 2016, and now 2017. We can't get enough of him. We love him so much that he's back once again here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Max, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast. How have you been, man? What's up? Good, buddy. Yeah, like you kind of brought it up, man. This is like our fourth time doing it. It's, uh, it's our first <laughs> time with postseason football, so it's a little different. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is our first time doing this in, in the playoffs. I think I said this. Uh, when you and I were talking the first time this season, I said, hopefully we, we'd have you on again in the playoffs. And sure enough, here it is. Uh, Chiefs and Steelers meeting again for the second time this season. Uh, a lot of excitement here, I'm sure, from your end and here in Kansas City because this is Kansas City's first postseason game in Kansas City in six years. Uh, they were blown out by the Ravens, so they're hoping to, uh, to, to kind of rebound and give Kansas City their first win 
at Arrowhead, her first postseason win at Arrowhead, I should say, since 1994. That is also the last time the Chiefs won a playoff game before last postseason. So the Chiefs are trying to bring some of that postseason spark back to the franchise. But I've got to ask you, because like I said, I mean, as Chiefs fans, we don't get a lot of postseason success. In my time being alive as a Chiefs fan, I have not experienced a lot of a lot of success. You, on the other hand, in your lifetime, you have witnessed so many postseason appearance, appearances, and if I'm not mistaken, two Super Bowl wins and another appearance for you, man. I mean, I've got to ask you, what's it like for the Steelers going into this postseason, or more specifically this, this game? I mean, is there like a lot of "Oh my God, we're so excited we're in the playoffs," or is that expected all the time with the Steelers, being that the Steelers have more Super Bowls than any other team? Well, I think I think for for me, especially, it's almost as it's expected. It's you know, with the players like Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and, and that kind of core group, it's it's expected for them to make the playoffs. Uh, me personally, I still get excited every time you know they get that playoff clinching scenario. Like, awesome, good. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have postseason football. But on, on another side, it's it's just expected. Of, of getting to the postseason, that's where we're always supposed to be, and, and you know, making the deep playoff run. And, you know, obviously wild card weekend, uh, a little bit nerve-wracking time to get through because obviously you don't want to be one and done. But uh, I would say, you know, for a lot of Steelers Nation that it's expected to, to get past wild card weekend and, and, you know, to the AFC Championship game and, and even further than that. Yes, yeah, as a Kansas Jayhawks basketball fan, to me it's like – Winning the Big 12, I mean, that's to me, eventually it's not a big deal because the Jayhawks have done it for 12 years in a row. Getting into the NCAA tournament, the, the Jayhawks uh, have the uh, best uh, and highest active uh, streak of most NCAA tournament appearances. So I, I, I kind of get that perspective too. Uh, you know, as a Chiefs and Royals fan, uh, the success we've seen in those two sports lately here in Kansas City. It's. I mean, we haven't seen that. So many people in their lifetime haven't seen a Royals postseason appearance. So when they went to the World Series, that itself was just unbelievable. And I'm sure a Super Bowl appearance is is exciting for Steelers fans. But I think it would mean a little bit more to Chiefs fans because it hasn't happened since 1970. I mean, there have been so many generations who have not seen that. From a Kansas Jayhawks perspective, I can see your perspective too because. Um, I mean, it's expected. So I get that part. And I, I, I kind of wanted to get that out because uh, I just know there's going to be a very exuberant vibe at Arrowhead Stadium from Chiefs fans and from Steelers fans. I know Steelers fans and Chiefs fans, they are some of the best, along with Green Bay Packers fans, as some of the best traveled fans in the NFL. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of black and gold in the stands along with the uh, red and gold in the sea of red, I, I, I kind of want to get your perspective because so many fans are talking about week four and even in the media too. And I said this last podcast, listen, it was a horrible loss for the chiefs and a great win for the Steelers. But week four was week four. That was October 2nd. We're, we're in the first week of January or second week of January. Both of these teams are a lot different. And the Steelers have kind of, they kind of hit a bump in the road. They lost four in a row, but still, Held held strong and won the division. Talk me through the Steelers since the since the Week Four meeting because they're a different team coming into this matchup too, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, during that kind of you know four game bump in the road, is 
uh, it almost acted like, you know, the team really didn't have, like, an identity. I mean, sure, you had, you know, the offensive weapons, but uh, really on the defensive side of the ball is where the team really struggled and, you know, let the team down. I mean, you you go back to I'll, – I'll just throw it back to the Cowboys game. I mean, uh, Steelers' defense had a chance to stop them, hold them to a field goal, and, and maybe get the ball back, but instead they let uh, Ezekiel Elliott run – uh, wild on them and, and get that, you know, last-second clinching touchdown for the Cowboys to win. And, and um, you know, reading some articles about it, I mean, uh, a lot of those players still take that loss to heart. That was, uh, a lot of them saying it was the most devastating loss uh, of their careers just because how bad they really wanted to end that losing streak. But they just couldn't find the identity to stop teams on defense. And then you look at the past six, seven weeks, um, give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit on this winning streak is he inserted, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of new players. I mean, you have two rookies in the secondary uh, with Artie Burns, the first round pick of last year and, and Sean Davis, the second round pick of this past NFL draft. And they have played exceptionally well for rookies. And uh, I can't forget Javon Hargrave, uh, the defensive tackle. He's a rookie. Um, I mean, it's very rare for rookies to play in a Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but those three guys, I think alone, have really made a big difference. I mean, they are playing like 10-year vets and really taking control of this defense. And you can't forget about James Harrison. Uh, when he, when the Steelers first started the season, he wasn't the starter. It was Jarvis Jones. He's coming into his contract rookie year here for the Steelers, and they wanted to see what he was all about. But, uh, I mean, it's looking like he's a bust. And once they inserted James Harrison and, and Bud Dupree, uh, second-year linebacker, the pass rush really got – you know, to the quarterback, and I think that's a big difference is, you know, once the pass rush is able to get to the quarterback, it really opens up things in, in the secondary and, you know, lets guys like Artie Burns and Sean Davis play to their potential without having to worry about uh, people not doing their job. So I think I think what's really changed the tide is the defensive philosophy and, and just kind of getting back to Steelers football on the defensive side. Yeah, you mentioned the defense. Uh, they did not have a single sack in their first three games coming into that Sunday night football game in week four. They had four against the Chiefs, their, the, their first set of sacks of the season. The Steelers, despite not having a sack in the first three games, they finished with 38, which is pretty impressive. What to you, and I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want you to go into detail, if you would, what about this defense really stands out to you the most? Because James Harrison, before his retire, retirement the first time, I mean, he, Farrier, a couple others, Lamar Woodley, so many great defensive players on that linebacking core. And the, this defense with Troy Polamalu, this defense was always talked about. And this is a much different defense than what we've seen before that was coached by Dick LeBeau on the defensive side. What stands out to you defensively? I really think just... I, there's a bunch of things like I can point to, but I really think, especially heading into this postseason, is just the growth of the, of the defensive line. Uh, when Cameron Hayward uh, went out a few weeks ago, uh, IR, uh, you know, he's the leader of that defense. Uh, I, I, I think every person on Steel Nation really kind of had to take a deep breath and say, oh, no, you know, Cam, Cam Hayward's not going to be there. I mean, last time these two teams played, he had three sacks, three of those four sacks. Uh, but Stephon Tuitt, the other guy on defensive line, has really stepped up big in key moments. And, uh, again, i got to go back to the rookie defensive tackle, Javon Hargrave. I mean, he's a rookie, but he's playing like a 10-year vet 
and, uh, you know, really causing havoc for running backs and quarterbacks in the pocket. And also I would give, uh, give credit to L.T. Walt. He's kind of an unknown guy, uh, but he's really stepped up in the absence of Cam Hayward. So, I mean, for me, what, what really stands out is the defensive line because they came in, uh, again, with Hayward and Tewitt, expected to be, you know, top ten defensive, you know, ends the combo there in the NFL, and once Cam Hayward went down, it, it's been amazing to see the fill-in uh, of the other guys kind of take control and, you know, be able to stop the run as well as they have with uh, Hayward's assets. What's your perspective on Kansas City's offense? Because at the time, I had Travis Kelsey wasn't really in his Pro Bowl form, and Tyreek Hill, uh, he did have a special teams touchdown, but it did get called back, but as an offensive player, he was still developing uh, what do you think of the way this Chiefs offense is with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill being those big playmaker guys? They're both they both were voted into the Pro Bowl, uh, but at the same time, it kind of makes me wonder: is there too much focus on those two guys? And do you think that it could be a trap for the Steelers, which might open up a a, a receiver like a Jeremy Macklin or an Albert Wilson, who I know you've had the chance to uh, to talk to this past off season and those are guys with a lot of speed do you see so much focus being put on those two guys Kelsey and Hill absolutely I mean I think I think no doubt um, this could be one of the toughest games that you know the Steelers defense plays this year I mean you brought it up you know Tyreek Hill the first time these uh, these teams played like uh, he barely touched football back then now he's obviously a, a tremendous threat to take it to the house any time of the year uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously he's one of the top tight ends uh, in the game. But, yeah, you brought it up. You know, guys like Jeremy Macklin and, and Albert Wilson, who uh, uh, I have to say his shoe game is very strong. Um, <laughs> I need to match his shoe game one day. But uh, those are two secret weapons that I feel like people overlook. Uh, you know, I, I mean, granted, Tyreek Hill is very fast, uh, but I, I feel like Kansas City could have a lot of success in the middle of the field uh, with the defense kind of focused on Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, um, I think if one of those guys were to, to kind of have a big game, I think it'd have to be Albert Wilson. Um, I mean, again, you have Ross Cockrell and Artie Burns on the outside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of team up, uh, double team Tyreek Hill, uh, see what the safeties do. But yeah, I think if anybody, I think, you know, Albert Wilson could potentially be in for a big day. Yeah, and don't forget about Chris Conley, who uh, was a combine warrior a couple of years ago for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been kind of a reliable number two receiver. Wilson's been a good slot. DeAnthony Thomas, who was big at Oregon. Uh, I've said this uh, all along, Max. I have so much confidence in this Chiefs offense. I keep talking about their potential. They don't live up to it, but there are so many speedsters on this offense that really any of them who touch the football, they could go in for a big run. Uh, Travis Kelsey did it on a screenplay, on a wide receiver screenplay earlier this year. He's the, one of the fastest tight ends. So they kind of, they, I, I kind of see some mismatches there, but I can also see some mismatches from Pittsburgh's offense versus Kansas City's defense. And just looking back at uh, this past weekend's win over the Dolphins, uh, Le'Veon Bell had a day uh, himself uh uh, just looking at uh, trying to pull up the stats here. Twenty nine carries, one hundred sixty seven yards, and a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Uh, ben Roethlisberger wasn't the Roethlisberger that we're so used to seeing. I know he had that ankle injury, and I want you to touch on that a little bit as well, it, which I think he'll be fine. This guy's tough as nails. Uh, I've seen him come back sooner than he was expected to come back with many injuries over the years. So 
uh, I'm confident he will play this weekend, but overall, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, especially with Kansas City's thin group of linebackers and Derek Johnson absent, I could see him having another game kind of similar to his 167 yards, uh, especially with Kansas City's strong secondary and pass rush. I think they could go run heavy again. Do you see that as a, as a viable option for the Steelers in this game? I could see that, too, especially uh, you kind of touch on it. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is going to play in this game. Uh, there's reports, you know, he said it's fine. He just kind of aggravated an old uh, stress, fact, stress fracture in his foot. Uh, so it's kind of been known to know how serious it is, but he has taken off the, uh, you know, the walking boots. So that's a good time for Steeler Nation. But you, you kind of brought it up, you know, Ben, not the same Ben. I mean, he only threw 18 passes, uh, only 197 yards. Sure, two touchdowns and two interceptions. But uh, and I think that's okay because when you look at Le'Veon Bell, he had 29 carries, like you brought it up, 167 yards. When you have Le'Veon Bell going off like that it really kind of just opens up to, hey, let's just run the football and, you know, we don't really have to worry about Ben passing as much. And you kind of brought it up, you know, Derek Johnson, he's obviously one of the top linebackers in the league. Uh, I I think, you know, you could see a lot of run-heavy offense from Pittsburgh right away. I mean, that's what they did kind of early on with uh, Miami. They ran it a few times, and then they kind of, you know, got the ball out to Antonio Brown. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they keep running the Le'Veon Bell train. I mean, I expect maybe the first series or two they go run heavy, uh, first thing of downs, and maybe a third down quick screen. But I, um, I expect Le'Veon Bell to kind of have another big day. I mean, granted, the uh, – and, again, the Kansas City Chiefs defense, uh, not very good on the run uh, to end the regular season. I believe they're 26. Uh, averaging, uh, giving up 121 yards a game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they take advantage of that. Okay, we, we all know about Antonio Bryant. I've said this many times uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, out of any wide receiver and tight end, Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown is the best quarterback-to-pass-catching duo in the NFL. And I think the only one that comes close is Tom Brady to Gronk. But Gronk hasn't always been healthy uh, the past couple of years. So uh, you've got to give number one to Big Ben and, and and Brown. But who is it behind Brown? Because I'm looking at the numbers here. Brown had five catches for 124 yards. The next best was Demarcus Ayers, two receptions for 21 yards. Then you have three different or four different receiver or pass catchers that had one catch in this game. Le'Veon Bell had two catches. I mean, is this a is this a one sided receiving core? Not that it's a bad thing because you've got the best receiver in Antonio Brown, but I feel like if Antonio Brown is shut down by Eric Berry and Marcus Peters, who does Big Ben have to throw to? Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to the start of the season here, and the the main core of the Steelers wide receiver group was supposed to be Antonio Brown. Martavis Bryant, who got suspended for the year for um, smoking weed. Oh, that's then it was supposed, uh Then it was supposed to be Marcus Wheaton. Uh, he's supposed to be the slot guy. Uh, and then um, Sammy Coates as the, as the number four. Uh, you take out Coates. He's been playing with kind of, you know, broken hand all season long. Uh, Marcus Wheaton's out with a shoulder injury, but... Uh, you know, kind of going back to last game, I was looking over the stats as well as last game. One guy you didn't see on the stat sheet last game uh, was Eli Rogers, the rookie from Louisville. That kid has really stepped up his game since kind of being implemented in the lineup with, with Wheaton out and with Coates out. Um, 
Obviously, I think he's the number two guy there. Um, he, he again, he he's a speedster. He can he can find holes in the middle of the field. He's got good hands. So I think he's kind of getting in that number three uh, slot there. And then you can't also can't forget Darius Hayward Bay. Obviously, uh, a, a veteran in this league. He's kind of been Mr. Clutch uh, on some third down. So. Um, there's definitely some some potential behind Antonio, and you kind of talk about Samarcus Ayers' uh, practice squad guy. He just got called up a few weeks ago. Uh, they're really starting to implement him more and more in the offense uh, with his speed as well. So um, the tight end position, I think, probably is the weakest part of the Steelers' offense. I mean, Jesse James uh, more of a blocker than he is a catcher. I think the absence of Ladarius Green, kind of with that concussion, uh, kind of really hurts. Uh, the tight end position because he's kind of able to stretch the field and it kind of opens things up for a guy like Antonio Brown or Eli Rogers. So um, do I think that the wide receiver group goes to the edge to the Kansas City Chiefs? Absolutely, just on depth. But, uh, I mean, hey, Antonio Brown's been thrown in double coverage, triple coverage, so Ben always finds him a way to get the ball. So um, I'm always good with uh, with that if he always wants to go to A.B. But, yeah, if, uh, keep an eye out for Eli Rogers and, and DeMarcus Ayers to, to kind of get implemented on this offense if uh, Marcus Peters kind of shuts down Antonio Brown. Okay, uh, I'm going to give my prediction a little later. I, I told people, look, uh, in all the years I've done the podcast, I've always picked the Chiefs to win when they are – uh, at a playoff game, and I admit some bias to that, and I figured you would do the same, that you might... <laughs> well, see, that's what, I was, that's what I said last podcast. I said, if Max Shepin doesn't pick the Steelers to win, I would be shocked. So I'm going to give my prediction later, uh, as far as score-wise and how I think the Chiefs will win. But uh, I want to hear from you as uh, before we let you go and wrap this part of the show up, but uh, what's your prediction? I, I'm sure you've got the Steelers winning. How do they do it? I just think they kind of ride the I, – I think it's just the same kind of game plan that they took down with Miami. Do I think it's going to be as dominant uh, against the Dolphins? Absolutely not. I mean, you talk about a Dolphins uh, defense that was depleted. They, you know, they top safety was out, top corner was out, so Antonio Brown was kind of able to, to take advantage of that. Uh, Miami's defensive line has struggled all season, so I feel, uh, you know, Le'Veon was kind of – able to take advantage of that. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it's gonna, kind of going to be the same game plan against Miami. You know, run Bell heavy, uh, hit Antonio Brown on, on some quick passes, get him involved early and see what it can happen. So um, I'm going to go 21-17 Steelers here. I don't think it's going to be a high-explosive offense game. It's going to be a nail-biter. It's not going to be the 43-14 uh, uh, score like we saw earlier in the year. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go 21-17 Steelers here. All right, he is Max Shepman, the former host of the Seal Pit Podcast, doing big things in South Florida, working for ESPN West Palm and WPTV uh, Channel 5, uh, as well as WFLX Fox uh, 29 over in uh, Port St. Lucia, Florida. Max, I uh, always appreciate you coming on the, the podcast. If I'm not mistaken, the Chiefs and the Steelers do play again, so we're going to have you twice in 2017. How does that sound? Hey, I'm good with that, man. I'll, uh, I'm, I've already made sure to book my appearance, so uh, I'm ready for, ready for that phone call to ring, man. Perfect. Hey, man, appreciate it as always. Max Shepman, you can follow him on Twitter at MadMax1063. Again, that's MadMax1063. Max, thanks for coming on as always. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road. Well, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. All right, that's Max Shepman here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Good guy to talk to. And look, I love Max. He's a great guy, but I disagree with him. I disagree with him, and I know a lot of you guys do as well. 
I've got to say this. I mean, this is a tough test for the Chiefs. And, you know, me personally, uh, and this is, I guess, the mixed martial arts fan in me, the big UFC fan in me, because in mixed martial arts, avenging your loss is a, is a pretty big deal, especially for someone who's had a lot of success. So when a successful fighter, a very successful fighter, loses a match, he or she wants that rematch. I mean, look, Ronda Rousey, I know... I know, man, uh, who knows when she's going to come back, if she's going to come back, but doesn't she want to avenge one of those two losses she had against Holly Holm and or against Amanda Nunes? Conor McGregor got his revenge on Nate Diaz in 2016. It got it right away. Loses to Diaz, then he got the rematch in, what, five months? So I, I guess the UFC fan in me when the Steelers just destroyed the Chiefs the way they did, I thought to myself, at the time, if the Chiefs do make the playoffs, I would love another stab at the Pittsburgh Steelers because, you can, sure, maybe you could win the, the Super Bowl even without playing them, but at the end of the day, Steelers fans are going to have this, I guess this notion of, hey, look, uh, we, we destroyed the Chiefs 43-14, to uh, on Sunday Night Football, whereas, and look, Chiefs fans kind of did the same thing when both the Seahawks and the Patriots made the Super Bowl in 2014, two teams who the Chiefs both beat, whereas now, if the Chiefs do avenge that loss, Steelers fans don't really have those bragging rights. Sure, you beat them in the regular season, you destroyed them, but what good is it if you can't do it in the postseason either? So, and, and this is, of course, a much different football team, as Max and I discussed uh, right there, you guys just heard it. This is a much different team. Both teams are a lot different. It was week four. So, you know, losing to the Texans, listen, that was a narrow loss right there. The Titans, the Bucks, those are narrow losses right there. But a blowout loss like that, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, you know, I think one of the best revenges we've seen in sports was the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, they won the NBA Finals after losing to the Boston Celtics. But... Gosh, I mean, the Lakers, they could not stop thinking about that loss of the Celtics. And that was a that was a pretty intense NBA Finals uh, in 2008 and in 2010. You know, losing to, or, or, pardon me, 2007 and 2009, I should say. If, I believe those two years. So, uh, the Lakers, man, when they beat the Magic in the Finals, that was nice and all. But when they beat the Celtics the following year, that was a lot sweeter. And I remember uh, some of the players, Kobe Bryant and several others, went on Jimmy Kimmel Live and they said, look, that revenge was sweet. We wanted that. And it's funny because a lot of times when athletes go to these late night comedian shows, uh, they admit more things than they normally would. Uh, I don't know. That's just something that I've kind of noticed over the years uh, when I watch uh, some of my favorite athletes, or, or even athletes in general, go on late night shows like Conan Kimmel uh, or, or other uh, comedy shows, uh, comedy talk shows like Ellen and whatnot. But uh, you know, I, I think for Lakers fans, that felt cool to see getting revenge on the Celtics in in in, in the championship right there. Because yeah, sure, you could have beaten them in the regular season. Great, it's a regular season. You want to beat them back in the finals, and that's what the Lakers did. The Chiefs. Suffered a brutal loss on Sunday Night Football, and again we know NBC. You couldn't, you can't flex these early games, but still NBC takes it to heart with these ratings. They want good ratings for their primetime games. It's a primetime game for a reason, 
and the Chiefs, they made that a boring game. A lot of fans tuned out. A lot of I still remember. I even I tuned out. I, I started watching uh, Fear of the Walking Dead on my phone because the finale was on that night. I, I still recall that night very well. So this is a chance for the Chiefs to redeem themselves, and I personally think they'll do it. And here's how. I'm going to give you five reasons why the Chiefs are going to win. Why you should feel optimistic that the Chiefs will win over the Steelers on Sunday. Number one, the Chiefs are 7-1 against top 10 scoring offenses in the NFL. Now, yes, that uh, one loss did come to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But again, that was a much different Chiefs team back then compared to now. Look at some of the teams the Chiefs have beaten. They beat the Falcons, the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They've been the, the, the two teams that played in last year's Super Bowl three times. The Broncos twice and the Panthers once. You beat Andrew Luck, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL despite not winning the division. Uh, which, by the way, the Chiefs went up against a lot of top-notch quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks that finish in the top 10 in passing touchdown. I mentioned that stat earlier uh, this season on the podcast. You beat the Saints, another good offensive team. You beat the Raiders twice. Mentioned the Falcons. You beat the Chargers. And again, the Chargers, uh, I know Phillip Rivers led the NFL in interceptions, but he was also one of the league leaders, if I'm not mistaken, second in the NFL or third in passing touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, the Chargers had a bad season, but that offense is no pushover. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a tough team to defeat twice. So the Chiefs were 7-1 this season against the top 10 scoring offenses in the league. I think that's one reason to feel optimistic going into this game. Another reason to be optimistic, and I'll tell you what, the guy who I think is going to be the key X factor, and I know a lot of people will say Tyreek Hill, that's expected. My guy is Alex Smith. And I know Alex Smith is not the most exciting guy to watch, especially in the regular season. But for some reason, man, Alex Smith turns it up in the postseason. It's kind of like the, the Royals in the playoffs. They, I mean, they, they start hitting home runs, start scoring all these runs out of nowhere after being one of the more quiet offenses in Major League Baseball. Alex Smith has thrown 11 touchdowns and just one interception in his five postseason games with the 49ers and the Chiefs. By the way, in those five games, he has thrown for 1,309 passing yards. That is 261 yards per game in those five playoff games. He has a postseason quarterback rating of 99.1. That is the fifth best in NFL history. And that's according to Gil Brandt on Twitter. He posted the uh, top 10 QBs with the best quarterback ratings in NFL history. And Alex Smith is up there with good company. And if you're wondering who are those other quarterbacks he's surrounded by, well, ahead of him, in order, Bart Starr, 104.8, Kurt Warner, 102.8, Drew Brees, 100.7, and Aaron Rodgers, 100.3. There's Alex Smith right there, 99.1. Wilson right behind him, 95.9. Joe Montana, 95.6. And he mentioned Sanchez. I'm guessing that's Mark Sanchez. I would have never guessed Mark Sanchez is on this list, 94.3, and no, no Tom Brady on this list. So, uh, kind of a surprise to me. Uh, I was expecting Tom Brady on this list, but hey, it's Gil Brandt, uh, and, and there's a lot of respect for Gil Brandt all across 
uh, the area. So I've got, I've, I've got a lot of respect for Gilbrand. I trust him with that set right there. So Alex Smith, one of the best quarterbacks in postseason history, at least with a QB rating. 11 touchdowns, one interception. That one interception came last year against the Texans. This is a guy who, who knows what to do come postseason time. I don't know why it takes the postseason, but... I'll take it. And this is the right time, especially with all this talent you have around you. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, of course, those two guys are always talked about. But let's not forget about uh, how focusing so much on those guys, that'll open up opportunities for Jeremy Macklin, Albert Wilson, DeAnthony Thomas, Chris Conley. So many weapons on this offense. It really is. And, and I know we didn't touch too much on the, on the running backs, but uh, those guys cannot be forgotten either. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how the Chiefs are going to go into this game, who's going to be active, but I really hope all three guys, uh, Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, and Niall Davis are top three guys, I guess. I hope all three of them are active because Niall Davis, you know, first of all, one of the better kick returners in the game. I know he didn't do much of that this year, but the past couple of years, he's been one of the better kick returners. Let's not forget about that kick return touchdown he had to open up the entire 2016 postseason. And on top of that, this is the guy who can do a lot of damage when he's running through some defenses. Now, I'm not too confident giving him the ball that much on offense. Maybe a couple of times would be good enough for me, just so he can at least try to showcase that speed a little bit. If he's on a roll, yeah, sure, give it to him. Let's just design plays where he's near the out-of-bounds line because we know ball security is an issue for him. Charkandrick West, uh, I mean, we didn't see much of him this season compared to last year, but in Week 17 when the Chiefs needed to pick up a win and also get a little bit of help to win the division and get the number two seed, Charkandrick West came through for the Chiefs when they needed him. And Spencer Ware has been one of the better uh, receiving running backs in the NFL the past couple of years. So uh, this is a this is an offense where there's talent all across the board. And if Alex Smith, if he just happens to turn it up, Come postseason time, well, then I'm excited to see what he can do with this offense going uh, into this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another reason to feel good, this one's a little obvious, Tyreek Hill. He led the NFL in punt return yards with 592 and an average of 15.2. Again, led the NFL in both those categories. He led Tavon Austin, who was second, and he had more than, uh, Tyreek Hill had 228 punt return yards more than Tavon Austin. And Tavon Austin, by the way, had five more punt returns than L. So Tavon Austin had more attempts uh, on punt returns, and still Tyreek Hill led by 228 yards. Uh, that's an astronomical number right there. And Tyreek Hill didn't return the ball a whole heck of a lot, too, compared to other returners in the NFL. This tells you how damn good he is. And by the way, yeah, sure, Tyreek Hill's great. Why does that matter this week? I'll tell you why it matters. The Pittsburgh Steelers, and I saw this on Chiefs.com, their coverage, their punt return uh, coverage unit ranks 24th in the NFL, allowing 9.6 yards per return on average. So that bodes well for a guy like Tyreek Hill, who I think is going to have a big game. So I'll go ahead and say it right now. I know it's hard to predict special team scores, but Tyreek Hill is going to get you a special team score. Unless, and the Steelers would be super smart to do this, so look, if I'm Mike Tomlin and the rest of that coaching staff, I, I, I why, why are you punting to him? Why? What logic is there in punting to Tyreek Hill? I mean, Tomlin and special teams coordinator Danny Smith and anyone else associated with the, the team uh, from a special team standpoint, y- y- I don't think it takes an NFL coach to say, hey, 
let's punt the ball away from Tyree Kill. He's pretty good. He can do some damage. And we've seen the numbers that ESPN's been obsessed with, that he's had a a touchdown of 60 yards or more in the last four games to finish out the regular season. This guy's got the hot hand. Listen, if I'm a a Chiefs fan, and if the Steelers have an electric guy like this, why am I punting to this guy? And listen, as Chiefs fans, we've got to be honest, too. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of of Steelers fans. If we're Steelers fans, we're saying to ourselves, why would we punt to Tyreek Hill? So the Steelers would be very wise to just have some really high punts or just let it go out of bounds even. And listen, I would even say go for those short punts because it may have a bad bounce. But a lot of times when those punt return blockers go back, they don't know exactly where the football is. And if if it touches any part of their body, that counts as a fumble, which... Quite honestly, I I think is a crappy rule if you're a blocker on special teams, uh, on the return side at least. But man, that's a rule, and that could give the Steelers an advantage right there. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm either punting this out of bounds, or I'm just going to go with these really bad line drive short punts, and seeing if I can get a little bit of luck come my way, and see if one of the blockers on the return team will accidentally run into it, and make it a live ball. I think that'd be a wise move from the Steelers' standpoint. Two more reasons why the Chiefs are going to win. This is more on the defensive side. Well, the last reason is both defensive and offensive. But I think it's going to be huge for the defense, too. But let me get this reason out of the way. The Chiefs' defense has allowed 19.4 points per game. The seventh best in the NFL. Pittsburgh, by the way, is three spots behind the Chiefs. 20.4 points per game. But, you know, with Justin Houston now back, I would love to know how high that number would have been had Justin Houston been able to play throughout the entire season uh, rather than just coming back for the second half. And not even just the second half. He actually missed a couple of games, the last two games. But he should be good to go. Andy Reid mentioned that the the players would definitely be healthy uh, and would benefit with this two-week rest. So uh, Justin Houston, he's going to be a big X factor. Let's not forget about D Ford. I know he's been very quiet lately, but D Ford wasn't D Ford in Week Four. It took him. It was after the bye week when D Ford actually stepped up and, and started making some plays. I think Tom Bahali. I know he's been limited on his snaps, but in the postseason, I think he's going to be one of those guys who gets a lot more snaps than he normally does. So you're going to see this Chiefs defense bring out their best. Uh, there's no resting guys. You got your two weeks rest. This is this is go time. And listen, even if you want to uh, let a guy sit out for a little bit, well, great. You have uh, a guy like D Ford who can come in and rotate with Holly or Houston, and you can keep your outside linebackers fresh. This is going to be a huge. This is going to be the key factor to me in trying to silence. Roethlisberger and the offense. I saw a quote out there that Roethlisberger was uh, uh, being asked about the uh, the Arrowhead noise, the the fans, and he said, "Look, it, uh, first of all, I was shocked to see he admitted this part, but he said you can silence them, and it's with the no huddle offense." And I still think even then, I think Chiefs fans are still crazy enough that they're still gonna 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 keep yelling. Now, I know a lot of fans kind of think that's silly. For Roethlisberger to say, but listen, if they're picking up first downs, fans just don't tend to be excited for that. And if that no huddle offense is out there, uh, you know, how quick are fans to react to start making noise after you just allowed a first down? I think that is something uh, reasonable to think about. 
But that's why I think this defense is not going to allow a lot of that. In order to do the no-huddle offense, you've got to complete the pass and stay in bounds. Final reason why I think the Chiefs will come away with a win in this game. They tied with the Raiders with a positive 16 turnover differential. And they led the league with 33 takeaways. The Chiefs tied for first place with two other teams for most interceptions with 18. And first place all alone in defensive fumble recoveries with 15. The Chiefs gave away the ball just 17 times. That ties for 8th best in the NFL. The Steelers gave away the ball 18 times. So just one spot behind the Chiefs. However, uh, the Steelers, uh, they're, they're tied 11th because there are three other teams tied 8th with the Chiefs. Uh, or, or two other teams, pardon me, tied with the Chiefs. Total three teams tied for 8th. So therefore, the Steelers... Would happen to be 11th, and they're tied 11th with just 18 giveaways. The Steelers, by the way, very they're also very good at protecting the football. They fumbled the ball just three times, the fewest in the NFL. Something's got to give in this football game. Something's got to bend and break. I know the Chiefs have been the bend-don't-break style of defense. In this game, it's very vital for the Chiefs to... Not been too much. I think you've got to go out there and sack Roethlisberger on first and second downs. I know third down sacks are obviously huge because that forces the punt team to go out there. But if you can go out there, and by the way, Roethlisberger and the Steelers, they weren't that impressive against the Dolphins. The offense wasn't that great, especially in the passing game. And if you can get a big sack on second down and force a third and long, look, as great as Le'Veon Bell is... I don't, I don't think the Steelers want to run the ball on third and long on the road against the Chiefs. So this turnover differential to me is pretty huge. I think they've got to go out there, pressure Roethlisberger all game long, and force some ill-advised passes. The Dolphins made Roethlisberger do that at the end of the game when the game was pretty much over. It was already done. And Roethlisberger threw an ill-advised pass that went for an interception. So it's definitely doable. And I don't know why the starters were still out there. I would have loved to talk to Max about that, but uh, you know there, there was only so much we wanted to talk about. And I want to keep this podcast uh, under an hour, so that we, you know, and that's why this is being released so soon. Uh, I don't know why the Steelers had their starters stay out there for so long. So if I'm Kansas City, man, and I'm sure they studied that game film as, as well as other games uh, that the Steelers have played this year. You go out there and you beat those offensive linemen, those pass blockers, and get to Roethlisberger. But also be ready for the run because they're going to run with Le'Veon Bell. And I know the weather's going to be crappy. It's uh, there's uh, a lot of snow expected uh, this weekend, throughout the weekend. I think through for a five to uh, four to five day stretch, there's going to be some mix of rain and snow. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen uh, on uh, Sunday. This is Wednesday evening as we record this, so a lot can happen. And weather predictions could change between now and uh, you know Saturday night when meteorologists give their predictions one last time for the game on Sunday. But overall, so the Pittsburgh Steelers, we know they're going to try, try to run the football, and rightfully so against the Chiefs defense that's missing Derek Johnson. And look, I I, I really do like Justin March Lillard and Ray McWilson. I think they've shined, they, they've had flashes at some point, but we haven't seen that consistency, so there's a reason to believe why Le'Veon Bell can gash through uh, the, this Chiefs defense similar to how we did last week. That's why it's important that if, if the Steelers decide to pass 
on first and second down. You got to get that sack. You got to go out there and force that third and long. I think that's going to be a huge key to the Chiefs and try to come up to, to, to win this football game. So, look, it, we all know about the offense. Uh, it's not the most dominant offense in the NFL, but Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, uh, they have gotten the job done lately. And it's also opened up other opportunities for other receivers. Oh, and I've mentioned those guys' name many times. It's the defense to me, though. That's going to be the biggest difference maker in this game. If that Chiefs defense can go out there and pressure Roethlisberger, I think it's going to be a long day for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got the Chiefs winning this football game. My final score for this game, I've gone back and forth. I know a lot of people, look, people don't often predict blowout wins in the playoffs because it just sounds crazy. I mean, if you predict a 4-0 sweep in, a, in the finals or in the World Series, I mean, people just think you're crazy. But it happens. I'm saying this right now. I think it's going to be a very close first half. But I think this Chiefs defense, they're going to they're gonna come out for blood. They know what happened the first time these two teams played. This, this franchise has not won at that stadium since 1994. They have not won a Super Bowl since 1970. And as I, the date I'm recording this podcast, Wednesday evening, this was the date in 1970 the Chiefs last won a Super Bowl. It's been a long time. They won it. They know their fans want it, so they want to win it for them as well. And again, with free agency and everything that could open up, I don't know. You never know. You may never get this opportunity ever again. Maybe the Chiefs end up being bad for another five years and players end up leaving here and there. And the way the Chiefs have just won their football games, I just think it has a Super Bowl story written all over for it. This is the time to really just go out there, kick some butt, and come come away with a win. I've got the Chiefs dominating this game. I think it's going to be a very close game at halftime, but getting ready for the second half, I think the Chiefs are going to show what they're really capable of and let the Patriots know or, or, or the Texans, whoever comes out alive in that uh, in that divisional game in Foxborough, they're going to let them know, and again, it's, it's most likely New England, they're going to let them know that this t- Chiefs team is also no pushover. This is a Chiefs team that's here to play, and if you're going to beat them, you better find a way to beat them on all three phases because the Chiefs can beat you on all three phases. They can score on all three phases. My final score, I've got it Chiefs 27, Pittsburgh 13. I think the Steelers will have multiple opportunities, and I think this kind of goes to the defensive bend, don't break. I'd love to see them not bend at all, but I think they're going to do that against the Steelers' defense but still come through in the red zone. The Steelers are going to have opportunities in the red zone, but that defense is going to find a way to stop them and not allow touchdowns and force those opportunities to become three points, field goals. You take the points when you can in the playoffs. You just do. Uh, I think it could come back to bite you if you don't. So I say go for the points anytime you can for, for any team, even if you're the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs will find a way to get the ball in the end zone. You've got some big home run hitters on this football team that they're going to have to take advantage of the defense when they go out there and force the Steelers to put up with field goals instead of touchdowns. So the Chiefs have got to find a way to use their electric offense and gash through and uh, use those home run plays. This is the part where you go crazy with with your playbook. And I'm not talking go trick play heavy or wildcat heavy, 
But you've obviously got to save some of it, some of it for next week. That way, the Patriots won't be able to study every trick play on film. So I think the Chiefs are going to be doing a lot of things that we haven't seen on the offense this season. I think we're going to see some creativity from Andy Reid uh, come out, and they're they're going to expose that Steelers defense. 27-13, Chiefs win this football game. Their first postseason win at Arrowhead since 1994. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Thank you so much for listening to this playoff edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. We're going to be doing another playoff edition next week. I know we'll be doing it. Hopefully we'll be doing it. Knock on wood. Facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine. Please join me at halftime and in postgame. We're going to be doing a Facebook Live so we can interact with each other. Ask me questions. Give your comments. I'll talk to you guys live for our Facebook Live video. Again, Facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. It'll go to your iTunes library, your phone, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Anytime a new episode is out, it'll be available to download on your device right away. Subscribe. Tell a friend about the Chief Zone podcast. It's going to be an exciting week. I'm pumped. I know you guys all are. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about next weekend, hopefully after a big Chiefs win, advancing to the AFC title game. And at that point, you're one game away from the Super Bowl. Fun to think about. It is. But we all know it's got to happen one game at a time. Farzee Vesugian here. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next weekend. Enjoy the game.